Join ResU in thoughtful conversations that will pique your curiosity and expand your mind. ResU's thought leadership and partners will introduce unique ideas and ways that help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. A good physician will want you to get a second opinion. So if you're feeling fantastic, but they tell you you need surgery or chemo, get a second opinion. If you feel horrible and they're telling you there's nothing wrong with you, get a second opinion. You need to be informed and ask questions. Welcome to our podcast. Today we're talking with Dr. Ree Mazzari, Endowed Chair of Interprofessional Education and Associate Professor in the College of Nursing at Resurrection University. Dr. Azari, who is a registered nurse and a PhD, helped develop Resurrection University's Interprofessional Education Program, only one of a few in the Chicago area. Dr. Azari, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to talk about medical mistakes and how to protect yourself as a consumer. But before we go into that, it's important to know how to help combat medical mistakes from occurring. And I think interprofessional education is key. According to the World Health Organization 2010, interprofessional education occurs when two or more professionals learn about, from, and with each other to enable effective collaboration to improve health outcomes. Correct? Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. All right. So can you tell us a little bit about interprofessional education? What exactly is it and why it's so important? Sure. So it's exactly what you said. It's learning about from and with each other. And interprofessional education itself is a relatively old concept. The first um, Institute of Medicine conference on interprofessional education was in 1972. So that's about 50 years ago. And we met as a group. So the group met together. They had several Several disciplines, all in healthcare, and it was at that juncture that they decided we needed to create interprofessional education programs. Um, unfortunately, the United States was a little bit behind in that, and that we haven't really developed these programs until the last about ten to fifteen years. Okay. The United Kingdom, because they had a national healthcare system, was very good about it. So the UK and the Canadians, they actually trained us, and so we learned from them. and And you would see the IP programs started opening up in about 2005, 2006 here in the United States. Okay. So why is it important, though, the the whole idea of people working together for healthcare outcomes? So it's very critical. Interprofessional education is the crux of patient safety. And mm-hmm. so they had a study that was done. Um, the Institute of Medicine, which is now called the National Academy of Medicine, uh, had a study in 1999, and mm-hmm. that was called To Air is Human. It was a report that came out, and it really scared us, and it should have scared us. Because the report showed that conservatively, about 44 to 98,000 people died every year in the United States of America due to medical errors. Wow. That's that's pretty staggering. It's staggering. And what I tell my students is think about 100,000 patients a year dying. That's equivalent to one jumbo jet airline crashing every single day for 365 days a year. So think about it. If that isn't a national emergency, I don't know what it is. If it was an actual plane crash at O'Hare Airport every single day, it would be declared a national emergency. Oh, we'd stop planes from flying, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And so this was in 1999. So that report was about 20 years ago. They've Mm -hmm. had independent studies. 
at Johns Hopkins being the most recent, that think it's closer to about 250 to 400,000 people dying every single year. Well, and some of this is not even people dying. There's also people losing limbs and absolutely. having, you know, different things happening to them that doesn't need to happen. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So how is, and we've kind of talked about this, but mm-hmm. how is IP or interprofessional education related to patient safety? So um, when we talk about all of those adverse events or those deaths, when they looked at the root cause of those deaths, 80% of those errors are due to miscommunication amongst healthcare workers. Mm. So 80% of those errors are due to all of those deaths. And you have such a high number that these deaths are only, they're the third leading cause of death are these medical errors. Wow. Yeah, behind only heart disease and cancer. And so when you drill down, they found that it's interprofessionals, professionals in healthcare, miscommunicating and not talking to each other. So interprofessional education is really teaching our students how to talk with each other for the purpose of patient safety. Is that why now there's like, um, last time I had a procedure, there was like almost a checklist uh, where they check who you are and they ask which part of the body and which side of the body and all that stuff, right? Yes. And patients get really sometimes a little frustrated and they say, don't you know what's going on? Mm -hmm. I've had five people ask me which leg is going to be operated on. And we tell them this is actually a good thing. It's a system of checks and balances. Mm -hmm. So that's what your your healthcare provider should be doing for you. And that's why you have multiple people asking because it's not only just the physician or the surgeon, it's the nurse, yes. it's the anesthesiologist, so that the whole team is on the same page, right? Absolutely. And that's that's the crux of IP. Absolutely, absolutely. So as a consumer, what can we do to make sure that the procedure we're having or that our child or parent is having is being performed safely? Ask questions. So it's really important to understand that it's okay to ask questions. Remember, healthcare providers, we want an informed consumer. So when you're in a situation like we've all been, we're afraid to ask questions or we forget to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So write everything down. Don't be afraid to take a pen and a paper or go on your phone and write down your questions. And if you remember, you can come back at a later date and you can call your healthcare provider. But it's really important that you ask questions. Prior to that, understand your surgery, understand your allergies, understand your healthcare procedure, and understand if you need the surgery mm-hmm. So, or the procedure. There was a great article in AARP, which I'm not old enough to read yet. Of course, I'm teasing and you know that. And it was actually the most recent one and it was called The Art of Getting a Second Opinion, which is really great. And it told people, it informed the consumer, why do you need a second opinion? And it isn't what we're used to. You Mm -hmm. get a second opinion because you think the doctor is not smart. Quite the opposite. A good physician will want you to get a second opinion. So if you're feeling fantastic, but they tell you you need surgery or chemo, get a second opinion. Mm -hmm. If you feel horrible and they're telling you there's nothing wrong with you, get a second opinion. So you need to be informed and ask questions. Well, I think some of that goes back to, you know, for those of us of a certain age, you were taught that the doctor was always right. Absolutely. And and the doctor is only human and they don't always catch everything. And that's why it's very important to get second opinions, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's important to, if I can um, just say, you know, give another little helpful hint and that is to stay with the same pharmacy. And people don't realize how important that is. So pharmacies have wonderful software and databases, right? And they can say, this drug is going to interact with this drug. This is dangerous. Mm -hmm. 
and when you don't stay with the same pharmacy. And certainly, sometimes you have to change based on you know the amount of cost, or, your insurance, mm-hmm. of course. But if you're able to stay with the same pharmacy, we recommend doing so because they'll catch anything that needs to be caught. Yeah, and if you can't, have a list of everything you take right yes. before you go into your any kind of procedure. But should there be other questions that we should ask a technologist, a nurse, a physician, besides the ones you just mentioned? Sure. Ask them if they have a list of your medications. Mm-hmm. Ask them if they have a list of your allergies. Mm-hmm. Ask them, do you have a list of my allergies? Are you performing this procedure? And tell me what procedure you're performing. Mm-hmm. So even though it's written down, don't assume that they know. So make sure that you're asking those questions. It's very important. When I think, you know, in, in addition to medicine, I think there's many of us that take supplements, whether it's a, yes, a vitamin absolutely. or something like that. And those are also important. Very important. Because some of, some of them could thin your blood. And if you're having absolutely. a procedure, it could actually cause a, a problem, right? Absolutely. So, and so even though you might think as the consumer, oh, that doesn't really matter, make sure you tell whoever it is, whether it's Mm -hmm. the nurse, the physician, the Mm -hmm. anesthesiologist, they have to know. Mm -hmm. And they may say, oh, yeah, 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 we got that. But it's better to know than than not know, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you give us an example of something that shouldn't occur? Like if you see X, get out of there or say, oh, I'm not comfortable. Absolutely. Well, Well, the good news is, the United States has the best tertiary healthcare system in the world. I mean, we really do. So the majority of your healthcare providers know what they're doing. They're good clinicians. We have a system of checks and balances. However, if you have a clinician that does not know which site they're operating on, right? Mm-hmm. If they say, Dr. Scanlon, are we working on the left leg and it's the right leg? Be very careful. I think what I would tell the consumer is be careful of what is not asked of you. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to get blood, but they're not checking a blood band, you need to be careful and tell them that. If they're giving you medication, ask, what is the dose? How are you giving it to me? Is it on my medication list? Ask those things. If someone is not checking your armband, I mean, that's that's very very critical. Well, I think the one thing you have not mentioned yet, especially when it comes to medication or, Mm -hmm. or procedures is what are the potential side effects or after effects, Absolutely. right? Because you need to know, can I go home on my own? Can right. I drive? All those right. kinds of things, right? right? I mean, so that's some other Absolutely. things that, that should kind of go on a checklist of Absolutely. sorts. Absolutely. Your discharge plan should be there. And they're usually good about telling you what you can do. But any question, and, I, and you know, we tell our students, we educate our students to let their patients know that we like educated consumers. We like informed consumers. And remember, we come from an area that teaches. So nurses teach technologists teach, doctors teach. Mm -hmm. We like that and we want to do that. So no question is off limits. But certainly your activities of daily living, ask what you can do, right? Ask when you can eat. All of these things are very critical. Well, I think one thing you just said that might be important is if they don't want to hear those questions from you, that is the red flag. Absolutely. Because that's their job and that's what they do to create a safe environment. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, you just asked me, when should you run for the hills? that's when it's time to get another healthcare provider when they're not willing to yeah. give you the information that you need. And it can be as as long as right before you're supposed to go in to have that procedure. You you can say no yes. at that point still, right? Absolutely. And yeah. patients, especially older patients, will say, I remember my parents thinking the doctor was always right mm-hmm. and saying, well, I don't know about the surgery, but it's scheduled for Wednesday at 7, so I have to do it. You don't have to do it. It's right. not a hotel booking that you're going to lose a million dollars off of you. Have to 
do what's comfortable for you and ask the right questions up until exactly like you said, Dr. Scanlon, up until they're willing you in the room. Yeah. That is your body. That is critical. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask those questions. Now, there are times when you do need to listen to your doctor or your practitioner when they say you will have a heart attack if you don't do this, right? Correct. I Absolutely. Mean, Compliance th- is very important. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, In doctor's offices, hospitals, and especially emergency situations, people can sometimes feel intimidated. Mm -hmm. Tell the listeners how to feel better about noticing things and asking questions. Again, I think it's it's what we talked about earlier. It's understanding that the healthcare provider is there to teach you, mm-hmm. is there to educate you, and this is your life. So, you know, we can't be polite when it comes to life and death, right? It's the right. life. There's no side effect of death, right? right. It's, you, you have to ask the questions that you need to ask. If anything, write things down. So mm-hmm. it's very important to write things down. And I think that's where we need to tell the consumer, ask your questions, write things down. And we encourage people to bring somebody with them. It's very important. Important. Mm-hmm. So if you bring a colleague, a sister, a, a spouse, it's really important because you're going to tune out oftentimes yeah. when you're given a diagnosis or you're going to tune out when it's, you're an information overload. So between writing things down and having somebody next to you, I think that's very critical. And you don't always hear things the right way if it's you're getting some sort exactly. of news that you have, you know, all your arteries are clogged. Absolutely. You're not, then you're just like go into panic mode and of then course. you're not hearing the next 10 minutes of conversation. So I think having that support person is, is, is key. Yep. Can you tell us how has interprofessional education been integrated into the curriculum at Resurrection University? Absolutely. We're so excited about um, the integration, and I think we're really ahead of the game. Our faculty infuse interprofessional education into their courses and syllabi. And what I mean by that is we actually have our radiography students, our health information management students, our nursing students learning from each other. Mm -hmm. So we may have faculty go in and talk with each other and learn from each other. We also have a wonderful designated education unit where we can get all of these professionals together and the students actually will participate in care conferences and learn from, about, and with each other. Our syllabi, what we teach off of, we actually have it incorporated into our syllabi into professional education. All of our professors have to put some sort of interprofessional education exercise within mm-hmm. their courses. So it's really important that we do that. And we have an amazing uh, simulation lab with yeah. a state-of-the-art simulation lab. So it's it, you literally watch the, these mannequins are phenomenal. They breathe, they sweat, they groan. You can make their chest go up and down. And it's just, it's they're just, they're amazing. And so we have our students practice with that. But the biggest, I think, um, integration for us is the development of the Interprofessional Education Scholar Program. Right. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that and what we're doing with that so far? Sure. You know, that's my favorite subject. So, <laughs> Mine um, too. So. Yeah, I know it is because it was a brainchild of our president, who happens to be you, sitting right in front of me. <laughs> yep. And it was from the very beginning. And I think that was also in addition to safety, which is certainly primary mm-hmm. in all of this. It was a reaction to the workforce, which, Absolutely. you know, it's it's integrated, right? It's it's one thing plays off of another. And so people hear about a nursing shortage, right? We hear about yeah. that. That's not something new. But when you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in the operating room, yeah. the average nurse is, per, is older in the OR. Mm-hmm. And 65%, wrap your head around the statistic, 65% of OR nurses are slated to retire by 2022. Yeah, that's right around the corner. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so... 
you know, we need operating room nurses. Yeah. We need them around. And so you actually looked at interprofessional education and said, how can we marry that so that we can help our healthcare partners get operating room nurses into the workforce and help our students understand how to create safe environments. And so we created this uh, scholar program, which is awesome. And currently it involves three components. So we actually have um, a micro-credentialing component where our students go online and they have six units, introduction units. We cover the four competencies of interprofessional education, which are values and ethics, roles and responsibilities, communication and teamwork. And then the final component, which is the best component, is simulation. Mm -hmm. So right now we're working in the operating room. So they're going to take a two-credit elective in surgery. That's going to give them the overview, the didactic component. We're also going to give them the simulation and hands-on open labs to learn how to scrub and and, and gown and glove. and, And that's for the operating room. We're going to be opening it up to other areas. And so that's what we're doing. We're creating a specialty understanding for our students based on an interprofessional platform. So our students learn about safety tools and tips and mm-hmm. communication, which is which is wonderful. Yeah, which is which is different because most undergraduate programs you come out as a generalist. Yes. And you learn on the job. Well we're trying to make our students much more marketable and fill the need of our partners and getting them job ready. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So how will the IPE program we have at Regu prepare our students to be better healthcare providers and workers? Um, you know, it's it's just giving all of them such an edge in the workforce. Mm-hmm. And so they have such a leg up for many avenues. So um, first and foremost, it's getting a student to realize that they actually like what they're doing as sure. a specialty area. So you know, we were talking this morning with um, a healthcare provider that said, we are amazed at what you're doing in the operating room. You're actually educating nurses in the OR. And we said, yes. And they said, that's fantastic because sometimes we hire them in the operating room and they say, we don't like it. Right. And so you know that that's going to cause an organization money, right? Mm -hmm. Where we take students in and sometimes after day one, if a student says, you mean I have to wear a mask? Well, (laughs) yes, you do. So then they say, I think that I'm going to become a med surge nurse or a psychiatric nurse. So so it gives them a leg up in that they know what they want when they go in. Our students are hungry for it. They've been exposed to it. Mm -hmm. They want to be in the operating room. Employers want to hire them because they've got that exposure. And, And they're going in in addition to that specialty component they're going in understanding tools and safety mm-hmm. and communication and leadership, which is what interprofessional education teaches them. And that's something that they want. And I was reading um, the other day that some human resources organizations now in HR, instead of taking students, healthcare students, and interviewing them separately, mm-hmm. part of the interview is putting them in a room together with um, a scenario, a healthcare mm-hmm. scenario, and watching how they interact with each other. And that's interprofessional education. Sure. So that's really giving our students a, a leg up and an edge. Yeah, because they'll actually know how to work with that group. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and probably be the leaders. Yes. Um. Also, I have to ask, since you were one of the models in our It's Amazing to be Needed campaign, how did it feel to have your <laughs> face on buses and bus and shelters? You yeah. mean my, um, my crow's feet is 40 <laughs> feet long? Um, it was actually a little bit intimidating at the beginning, but it was wonderful, and it was such an honor, and I loved it. And my uh, teenage boys got a kick out of it, so it was an absolute honor. I loved it. Thank you. Sure. So are there any last 
tips that you would or words of wisdom that you want to leave us with as we close? Sure. I think words of wisdom for our students are we have a phenomenal program Mm -hmm. um, and our employers, our students are terrific. And now you can see why after listening to this. So I say go with your passion and find a a university that can actually help you foster that. And Mm -hmm. rather than just, I think, send you out where you have to try to find yourself, I think from a consumer standpoint, exactly what we talked about. Remember, you are in the driver's seat. It is your body. It is critical. We do have, based on the statistics we just talked about, medical errors are something very real and very dangerous. Mm -hmm. So do not be afraid to ask the right questions. You are a consumer. Do not be afraid to get a second opinion and do not be afraid to really involve your healthcare team and your family in your healthcare. Great. Thank you, Dr. Zari, for your contributions to Reju and for being with us today in our Thinking Out Loud podcast. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned to the ResU podcast here on WGN Plus for more episodes with ResU thought leaders and partners that will introduce unique ideas and ways to help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. ResU, it's amazing to be needed.